Good morning, church. Good morning. Thank you for joining us this morning as we come together and worship God through song and through studying his word. Please uh, stand with me if you are able as we sing. Water you turned into wine and open the eyes of the blind there's no one like you none like you into the darkness you shine out of the ashes we rise there's no one like you None like you. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God. Into the darkness you shine And out of the ashes we rise There's no one like you None like you Our God is greater Our God is stronger God, you are higher than it our God is healer, awesome in power, our God, our God. And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? What could stand against? Because our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer, awesome in power. Our God, our God. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is healer. Awesome in power, our God, our God. And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? 
what could stand against cause our God is greater our God is stronger God you are higher than any other our God is healer awesome in power our God our God our God is greater our God is stronger God you are higher than any other our God is healer awesome in power our God our God And good morning to you. All right, a beautiful day out there, and it's a beautiful day to worship the Lord. A beautiful day to sing about our God, whether we're here or online. Thank you for joining us online. This is one of our placards that we have. Some of you ordered yard signs. Um, we've got some. They'll be set up. You didn't see them coming in, but you'll see them going out, okay? Setting up in the front lawn. So these are there. I will tell you that there are a couple extra left. And if you'll see Kim, she's in the back there. For those of you online, you have to call the office and see if there's one left. But we've got, she's got a couple extra if you want to put these in your yard. So, you guys excited about turning 100 next year? We Evelyn told me the church is just a little older than she is. Okay? <laughs> so, anyway, yeah, she's, she's getting it interpreted to her. So, so um, any, anyway, that's meant for only by three years, okay? That's kind of a cool thing. So, a hundred years. So just so you know, next week we'll have a couple extra guests. We'll go a little bit longer than normal. That doesn't mean that I'm preaching longer. It means that we have other guests that are speaking. So of our guests we'll have here is Nate Adams. Nate and his wife Beth will be here. I'm sure, pretty sure she travels with him. And they will be here to present us with a, a plaque commemorating our hundred years. And he will also speak a little bit. It's not just here's the plaque and then off the stage you will go. So know that that will, that will happen. Also, we have Alan Hedrick and his wife, Jerry. He was here twice. Okay, so he's coming back for the third time. Matter of fact, he was here when, we celeb when you celebrated 75 years. So 25 years ago, he was on staff here, and he gets to come back for the 100th anniversary. And so Jerry and Ruth are going to play. All right, so, so you on camera, yeah can't see that and you, you probably won't we're, we're working on the logistics of seeing that or not seeing that but know that about five minutes beforehand or maybe even longer depends on how many songs they want to play together when you walk in the sanctuary it won't be piped in music it will be jerry and alan or jerry and ruth playing okay and uh they'll be playing some some music as ruth said we're going to jam okay <laughs> right so expect to see papers flying and hands in the air, right? Coming down on those keyboards. And uh, we're going to have a good time celebrating there. Also, Alan and Jerry will be singing a special. We'll see if Alan and, and, and Adam can't get enough practice in so they can, they can you know, do a good... I don't know. Does, does Alan play anything? 
Guitar? Okay, and then we can have two guitars up here, you know? Yeah, there we go. So Alan doesn't know, you, yeah, and Adam, off, off screen, Adam's going, uh-uh. Okay, <laughs> okay. So, so um, and Alan's not listening right now because he's in Oklahoma. They'll be traveling this week to do that. So here's, and, and so the other part of that I need to tell you is we'll go a little longer, and then we're going to go eat. You all are invited to eat. We have it catered in, and we'll have chicken and meatballs and, and potato. I don't remember what all we got, but we'll have enough that you won't go away hungry. Uh, we'll have drinks. Everything will be set up. So I don't know exactly the logistics of it. We'll let you know next week. But we're going to set up the serving tables in the gym like we do for Thanksgiving so that you'll move through quickly and then on into the, the dining hall. And, and we're just going to do some, some neat things over there. We're going to talk about the next 100 years, and, and maybe we'll put together a box. We're working on that too. So some of the details are still in hand. And, and you know, as we've watched this and we've navigated through all of it, we're navigating through this, the rise again and, and, and so forth and COVID. And, you, you know, it's been one of those things that I've been praying that we would be able to have this 100-year celebration. And uh, I'm still praying that we're going to have that 100-year because it's not a lock in the bank, right? And so we want to we want to celebrate where we've been, but we also want to look forward to where we're going. Okay, this is not this is not a hundred years and we're done. This is a hundred. This is just an on. This is a marker on the journey that we're that we're taking. So, uh, just that that takes care of most of the things that I need to announce to you. Know that if you're online and you want to join us, we have if we have childcare, etc. So we have stuff for the. The kids will be doing some special things that day. Uh, Blake has that worked out so they can participate in this service also because what we wanted to do was to make sure that everybody that's here can participate in the 100 years, that they're not someplace else and they're not left out of the celebration. So thank you for that. So I'll, I will share this with you a little bit later because we're going to have a business meeting follow, but it won't be very long. The, um, the guy came and um, looked at the roof uh, Wednesday, I think it was, the, the day that he came and looked at the roof and climbed up there with him and climbed back down and we're talking. And so he told me a story that I, that I want to share with you. I'll share this again and again and again because you're going to get tired of the story, but I love the story. You know, at the end, I always ask you, the, the, have you read? I want you to turn to somebody and say, have you read? At home, turn and say, have you read? They're, they're very good, okay. <laughs> You're a little slow on that. The idea is that we read our Bible, right? Because that's the one thing that if we'll do that, it has the ability to change who we are, to draw us closer to God. We can do all kinds of programs. We can have all kinds of classes. But what you need to do is to read. What I need to do is read. So here's the story. The guy, after we get done looking at the roof, etc., and we're standing down there, he says, I want to tell you a story. He said, my son was, he, he finished up college. He's headed for grad school. He's headed for SLU. He's going to be a lawyer. Some, 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 he's going to be in the, in the lawyer field, in the law field. He's all, he's all accepted. And, he, and his son says, after the, the, the graduation party, I think it was, so I may be getting some of that story wrong, but he says, Dad, I need to talk to you alone, the two of us. And so he's all done. He says, he comes to me, and he's like, I don't know what, What's up, right? And so this is, what he, this is what the guy told me his son told him. He says, I started reading the Bible. I just 
had an interest. And he says, I started reading the Bible. And I read it through. And I don't know how much he read, but he just started reading the Bible. And he said, Dad, I'm not going to go to SLU. I'm going to go to Southwestern in seminary in, da- in Fort Worth, Dallas, Texas. Okay, so, so I say that to tell you that if you read your Bible, you're going to end up in Dallas. Okay? <laughs> I don't know, but, but here's the thing, right? He didn't, you know, I don't know about his church background or anything like that. All, all I know is what I was told is he started reading his Bible, and it changed his life trajectory for right now. We'll see what God has for him in store. But that's why, of all the things I want you to do, you know, we're going forth in 100 years. Let's start reading our Bible. Let's not, you know, don't wait till Sunday to open it up. Open it up during the week. When you, and, and what I'm asking you for is this. The stats are, if you read it four times a week, your life changes. Aim for seven. And then be happy to celebrate four. Because life gets complicated, doesn't it? But let's aim at doing those things and see what God might do with us. He's, he's not going to call all of you to Southwestern. Okay? I still need somebody to preach to. Okay? okay? But, but, but that's the idea. See what happens when we read our Bible? That's the whole push behind it, is that we read it and allow God to draw us closer to Him and then see what happens with that. So with that, I want us to go to the Lord in prayer. Because that's the second question I want you to be able to ask is, have you prayed? Because prayer is bringing that back. You read it. You read about what God did, our God. Okay? When you read about that, it's you realize that you can't do it and that God needs to do it. And so that's what I want us to do. I want us to read, and then I want us to go to the Lord in prayer. To lay down our biggest things and say, God, this is what, this is what, be honest with him, this is what I think needs to happen, but you know better than I. And I'm going to probably ask short of what you, I know that I'm going to ask short of what you can do. And so I'm going to guess that somewhere, somewhere in that, that young man's life, somebody was praying for him. That prayer was probably answered above and beyond what they asked. Okay? So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, thank you for this time, Lord. Thank you for this time that we can come and pray. Father, to, to stand before your throne, knowing that you, we don't deserve to stand before your throne, Lord. If it wasn't for the blood of Jesus, we couldn't stand here and request anything. Father, thank you for providing your Son. Thank you for giving to us the opportunity to have eternal life. Father, I pray that as we come with our burdens, our cares, our requests, Lord, each of us have requests, each of us have burdens, each of us are praying for things that of concern in our life. We're praying for others in our lives, Father, our family, our friends. We're praying for people to come to know you as Lord and Savior. And Father, I pray that, that you would hear our requests. And Father, that as we finish this prayer, Father, that we would Give an amen with an expectation that you are going to answer. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.
Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I'll worship Your holy name. The sun comes up, it's a new day dawning. It's time to sing your song again. Whatever may pass and whatever lies before me, let me be singing when the evening comes. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name, sing like never before. Worship your holy name. You're rich in love and you're slow to anger. Your name is great and your heart is kind. For all your goodness I will keep on singing ten thousand reasons for my heart to find bless the lord oh my soul oh my soul worship his holy name sing like never before oh my soul i'll worship your holy
holy day. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship his holy day. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I'll worship your Worship your holy name, Lord, I'll worship your holy name. My chains are gone. God, my Savior, has ransomed me, and like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace, amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. T'was grace that taught my heart to fear and grace my fears relieve how precious did that grace appear the hour i first believed my chains are gone and i've been set free God, my Savior, has ransomed me, and like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace. The Lord has promised good. His word, my hope, secure. He will my shield and portion be as long as life endures. My chains are gone, I've been set free. My God, my sin. Ransom me, and like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace. 
my chains are gone and I've been set free my God my Savior has ransomed me and like a flood his mercy reigns unending love amazing shall soon dissolve like snow the sun forbear to shine but God who called me here below will be forever mine will be chains are gone and I've been set free my God my Savior has ransomed me and like a flood his mercy reigns unending love amazing grace my chains are gone, I've been set free. My God, my Savior, has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns, unending love, amazing grace, unending So we're in 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter. We walk through this book, uh, as we walk through the, the book that Paul wrote, this letter that he wrote to the church of God at Corinth. So if you've got your Bibles, you can follow along in there. In 2 Corinthians, the 11th chapter will be the very first part of that. And if, you, if you're online or if you want to follow along in the Bible app, all that stuff is there for you to see and follow along. And it'll be on the screens here, the scriptures. We read that. So the, the title of this, no, and, and I would just, just want you to note, the title from all the sermons come from the text. I want to emphasize to you that I'm not clever, but, but God's Word is good. Okay, And so we're going to talk about a godly jealousy. Now, see, that, that kind of, when I think about that, that kind of sounds like an oxymoron, right? Because jealousy is usually associated as a sinful thing. So I want you to think about that for a moment. What could it possibly mean 
that it's a godly jealousy. We'll unpack that a little bit as we walk through this. If you're following along in the Bible app, at the end of the study notes, you'll find this in there as you scroll through it. You can look at it later. Paul was jealous for his converts' undivided loyalty to Christ in the interval between their conversion and the resurrection. Okay? So, so what he wants them is to be wholly devoted to God and to no one else. Does that sound familiar? Because in the, in the Ten Commandments, what are the first four commandments about? God and nothing else. I mean, that's really what those first four center around. The, the, the great commandment to love God with all everything you have, right? And then it's your neighbor. So God has always wanted our undevoted attention to him. And so Paul has taken that, and that's the same thing he wants for the church of God at Corinth. He wants them to be wholly devoted to God. So that's the idea of godly jealousy that we're going to look at today, the idea of godly jealousy. So what's the driving motivation? And we've talked a little bit about this before, but what's the driving motivation behind what we do? What's my motivation for standing here? It's my job. <laughs> okay. Um, it would be shorter if I wasn't standing here. No amens to that, please. Okay. Okay. But is, what's that driving motivation? What's, what's Paul's, underneath all that Paul's doing, what's his driving motivation? Why in the world does he do what he does? We're going to look at that. We're going to understand that Paul wants to make it clear what his motivation is. We're going to find that. And I, I, you know, it's that same kind of motivation that ought to motivate us. What motivates you to get up in the morning and go to work? You need your paycheck? That's what you do, right? right? That's, your, that's your job. And so the little chuckles in there on that. Yeah, that's a good question. Why do I get up and go to work? And, and why do I get up and go to school? I mean, school starts here in town this Tuesday. So why in the world do you get up and go to school? Because mom and dad make you. That might be that much. Yeah. Elaine is shaking her head, yes, okay? <coughs> you know, you have a cruel dad, I understand. And so, you know, what's the, what's the motivation behind what we do? Hopefully our motivation is, is maybe a little bit more than it's that we have to. That there's something that's driving us, that underneath of all of what we do, is that God is pushing us and driving us to where He wants us to be. And that might be our workplace, that might be school, that might be something else. I'm hoping that you hope that God is the driving motivation behind why I am standing here. Okay, that's the, the one thing that I want to I, I want to be here because God wants me in this place. And so let's pick it up in the first verse of 2 Corinthians chapter 11. I'll be reading out a New American Standard there. So let's read this. I wish that you would bear with me in a little foolishness, but indeed you are bearing with me. For I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. For I betrothed you to, the, to one husband, so that to Christ I might present you as a pure virgin. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. And it, for if one comes and preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit which you have not received, 
are a different gospel which you have not accepted, you bear this beautifully. For I consider myself not in the least inferior to the most eminent apostles. But even I, if I am unskilled in speech, yet I am not so in knowledge. In fact, in every way we have made this evident to you in all things. Or did I commit a sin in humbling myself so that you might be exalted because I preached the gospel of God to you without charge. And remember, as we read through this, Paul's still defending the attacks put out by the false prophets. He, it's, they, they personally attacked him. They're trying to take him down so they can build followers. And as he does this, he's going to address some of the, the wrong that they are leading them, that these false prophets are leading the church of God at Corinth into. So let's talk about this godly jealousy or jealous for you is how Paul puts that in that scripture. I, I am jealous for you. I'm jealous for you. It is a godly jealousy. It's what we explained earlier. He is jealous to the point he wants to betroth them or to present them to God as a pure virgin. <coughs> you understand? It uses, don't we love that? Because we use the imagery that we understand. It's summertime. How many of you have been to or know of a wedding that's taking place this summer? Okay, we're aware that weddings are going on. Weddings are, are, are a beautiful thing. And in the wedding, the groom waits here. And then the bride is escorted down the aisle, usually by the father, but sometimes somebody else. But the bride is escorted down the aisle and presented to the groom. There's a handoff. Usually it takes place down here in this church. But there's a handoff that happens in the front where whoever's walked them down the aisle passes them off to the soon-to-be groom. Okay, the, the, They're going to be betrothed in marriage. And that's the picture that Paul presents to us. Now, understand what Paul wants to do is he wants to present a, a really beautiful bride. He wants to present a really beautiful bride. Speaking of the church and speaking of the individual. Understand that. He's speaking of the church at Corinth, and he's also speaking of the individuals in that church. We get to, we're, we're the bride. That's the way the scripture pictures it. So what Paul's speaking of isn't out of line. It helps us to understand that picture that God has given to us about the church and Jesus Christ. Jesus is the groom, and we get to be betrothed to him. So this is a godly jealousy. This is the, the motivation why does Paul do this? Because in Paul's mind, in his vision, he wants to walk down a spotless bride and present it to the Lamb of God. The one without sin who paid the price so that this wedding can even take place. That's what Paul's drive is. That's what his motivation is, is to do that. He wants to present them as a, a, as a pure bride. I want you to think about this. We read in that, in that scripture, we read it, he wants to present them as a pure virgin. Now, that doesn't play well in our society a lot today, but do you understand what that means? That is without blemish. It means that there is no other. 
Now, how is that that he can present us and he can present the church of God at Corinth as a pure virgin, as a spotless bride? How can he do that? Because remember these, as he's speaking into them, and we'll talk about this a little bit later, as he's speaking to them, they are in a, in a, in a world and in a culture that has a multitude of gods. So you understand it, their homes, they were used to having little idols of multiple gods. In other words, they, they, they were betrothed to multiple gods. They were, they were married. You know, to, to, they had multiple husbands, so to speak, if we're using the analogy that Paul's using. They had no problem with that. What Paul wants to do is he doesn't want them to, have, to add Jesus Christ, to add Christianity on the, the, the mantle or on the coffee table as just another God. What he wants to do is to present to them Jesus Christ in such a manner that what they do is they throw out the rest. That's what he wants for us. Is that we don't put our trust anyplace else, but we put our trust wholly in Jesus. And whatever other things we put our trust into, whatever, whatever other things we've betrothed ourselves to or married ourselves to, we disconnect. We disconnect. Now, 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 usually that means that you'd still come into the wedding as stained. Because you've had other husbands. Understand that? We, that's, how, that's how I'd look at it. That's how I think you'd look at that when we get into a marriage ceremony and we see that it's not a pure virgin anymore. It is, it is somebody with fine. We're happy for the marriage to take place, but there is, there is a tainting upon that. Because of the past. Do you understand? You know, when, when I thought about that, because I wrestle with that for a little bit, I'm trying to think, how in the world does this happen? Do you understand the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus Christ? That is exactly what that speaks to. That means that when He forgives, He casts our sin as far as about 10 feet. 20 feet. He's a little stronger than that. 50, no, as far as the east is from the west. You think about that. That means the east and the west, they go and they never meet again. That's what that's about. That's the cleansing power of God in your life. You and I can't scrub it clean. We can try to scrub it clean, but we can't. But when we give it to God, understand the power of that. Paul wants to do and we're thinking that's going to be impossible. I mean, we're looking at the church of God at Corinth and we see their ugliness as Paul addresses it. And you're going, how are these guys going to be presented that way? It is because of the cleansing power of Jesus Christ. Your life may not look a whole lot better than the Corinthians because you've got stains in it too. But understand the cleansing power of Jesus to make that possible so we can be presented to God as a spotless bride. We ought to look forward to that day. And what Paul's looking forward to is not only that day for himself, but that day for all of the believers at the church of God in Corinth and other churches. He has this godly jealousy. He has that vision to do that with these people. That's the vision that he has in his mind. That's what he's seeing, and he's working towards that end. And that's what motivates him, because that's his goal. That's a guy who cares about the people. 
Because he's going to do everything he can to make that a reality. But here's the issue that he has to deal with. Because these false teachers have come in and they have led the people astray. They have led the people astray. He, he matter of fact, he uses this picture. A picture that we all understand and a picture that they even understood. As a serpent deceived Eve. You know how that turned out? The serpent came and made great promises. Oh, you go ahead and eat this fruit, and things will be so much better. Yeah, we have pain at childbirth. We have we have we have sweat and blood and all and and death. I don't think it was better, was it? Do you understand that? That's what he's trying to get us. Across get across there is the idea that that what happened there is when we read it we know, we're going, when you're reading the story you go no 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 don't eat that fruit it's going to turn out all bad we get that idea and so what paul is saying to these people at corinth who have bought into these false teachers is understand that exactly the same thing that happened to eve you are being deceived by these people and the deception is not going to lead you to a better place the deception is not going to stop following them because they're leading you astray. What's going to ha- what happened to Eve is going to happen to you. It's not going to be pretty. It's not going to be pretty. Your minds are going to be led astray, and then your body follows. And, and, and here's the deal. They came, and they gave another Jesus. They came, and they gave another Jesus. Now, what, what in the world could that possibly mean? We don't have the particulars about that, but let's, let's back it up to our time. Let's bring it in the present because this scripture isn't just a history lesson. This is a lesson that applies to you and I today. In other words, it relates to us. When we talk about another Jesus, how could another Jesus be presented to us? You see, the Jesus that the Bible teaches, the Jesus that, that we teach here is a Jesus who was the Son of God, perfect Son of God, who was born into this world, brought into this world by the Virgin Mary, by God, and, and, and he lived on this earth. He taught, he died for our sins. He was resurrected on the third day, and he lives again, still. Right? He overcame death, and it is by his death, and only by his death, that we can have eternal life. We couldn't do that. He shed his blood for our sins. What's a different Jesus? A different Jesus is a, a good guy. He's basically a good teacher along with a lot of other teachers in the past. He's not really alive anymore, but he, he did say some good things. A different Jesus is a Jesus who, who you don't need his blood to get into heaven. Falls under the, the different gospel thing because we, we change Jesus up, we change up the gospel, we change up the good news. We, we have this tendency in our world today that, that if you're good, everybody goes to heaven. If you're good, you go to heaven. And then we expand that so everybody falls under that and everybody gets to go to heaven. That's a different Jesus, that's a different gospel, that's a different spirit. You see how that teaching comes into there. And if everybody goes to heaven, then you don't need to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That's what happens when we change things up. 
And I'm telling you, if you live in a world and you fall for that, you don't need Jesus to get to heaven, that you can get to heaven because of your goodness or that your goodness is the thing that's going to get you to heaven plus Jesus Christ. You're going to be sadly awakened in the heat of the flames of hell. We need to get this right now so it's right for eternity. You see what Paul's saying here is when you lead it straight, when you water down, when you give another Jesus a different gospel, when you give a different spirit, then all of a sudden what we do is we don't have salvation anymore. We don't have Jesus standing on the cross anymore. We have something else. And we have something else that turns back into and looks like the world. And the world says, why do I want what you've got? Because it looks exactly like I've got. That needs to change. We need to have that. We need to preach that. We need to teach that. We need to share that. The Jesus that Paul preached, the Jesus, the gospel that Paul presented, the good news is that Jesus Christ, yes, he did come and die for your sins. I'll say that in a funeral. I, you, you think everybody, you, you can be good enough to get there. If you could be good enough, he's not hanging on the cross. If you can do it, I'm not getting in the mud. I'm not going to the grave, to the depths of Hades to overcome death. I'm going to stand for the darkness as God, the Father of God turns away from the Son on the cross. I did that because it, Jesus did that because it was necessary. We need to understand that and embrace that. It's not pretty. It's beautiful because of what he did for us. Let's not change the gospel. Let's not follow down this path of universalism. Let's follow down this path where Jesus is just another guy like us and doesn't have the isn't God dwelling in the flesh? You see, that's what's going on there. And that's what Paul is concerned about. Is that you don't buy into that and be led astray. Because it matters. Doctrine matters. The message matters. Paul closed. We read this the last verse. Paul says, I preach the gospel of God without charge. Paul writes that he had the right to charge. The church needed support. I, I thank you. I'm standing here because you guys give. And, 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 that, and I get a check from I get a paycheck. Like you get a paycheck. I get a paycheck because of your gifts. I stand here. But what Paul did at the church of God at Corinth was for whatever reason from the get-go, he decided to have outside support, not support from the church of God, not from the people at the church of God at Corinth. He said, I did that without charge. I didn't ask for anything from you. What they did was they got to give to somebody else, but they didn't give to support Paul. All of Paul's you know, making money and putting food on the table either came from what he did as a tent maker or it came from other churches and other believers from other places who decided to support him. It was Paul wanted to make sure that it was clear that he wasn't there for the money. He was there because of the godly jealousy for these people. I admire that. 
I admire that, that he was able to do that, and, and he did that because he wanted to make it clear. I, I, I want to tell you that, that I, too, want to have that godly jealousy. I thank you for your gifts. I thank you for your gifts. I don't know that I could do it for free, okay? But, but here's the, the thing. What motivates us to do so? Here's the action steps I want you to walk away. We read through the Scripture. We've seen Paul's godly jealousy. We're aware of, of there were people that were leading that church astray. There's a world out there of teachers who are leading us astray. There are believers in churches who believe different things other than the right gospel, other than the gospel that Paul presented, other than the gospel that Jesus presented. And so here's the questions that I want you to think about. Do you have a godly jealousy? In other words, do you care? Understand that? Paul was willing to go through all lengths in order to walk somebody down the aisle and present them as a spotless bride for the Lamb of God. Do you have that kind of godly jealousy that reaches outside of you and is concerned for somebody else? Concerned for a whole bunch of somebody else's that have that, that have that desire that you want to speak the gospel into them, to share the gospel, to lead them in the right path, not only to get them to accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but to get them past that point so they begin to grow and God begins to impenetrate their life and they become followers of Christ in, in, in word and in deed. Do we have that godly jealousy? We need to have that godly jealousy. Do we have that driving motivation that Paul had? Do, you know, that's why do we do the things that we do? Do we have that driving motivation to do so? And here's the last question that I want to ask. And this may be a little bit tougher question, but have you been led astray? I want you to check what you believe against the Jesus that the Bible teaches. I want you to check what you think about who gets into heaven by what the Scripture says. I want you to check what you think is right and wrong, sinful and not sinful, righteous and unrighteous, and I want you to check that by the Scripture. Because you see, the world out there has been changing the definition. Sometimes it's the people inside of the churches that have been changing the definitions of what God's Word says. And so it's a question of we have to make sure that we're still where God wants us to be, still believing what God has put to pen and paper for us to understand. That's the importance of reading the Bible, to understand what the Scripture says about right and wrong and about salvation and about Jesus. Those are the questions that I want you to think about this week. Those are the questions that I want, to, want you to answer. So, we're going to, Adam's going to play in a minute after we pray, but the invitation is, is for, for you and I to respond to what God would have us to do. Uh, it, might be, it might be for conversion. You might need to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You don't know Jesus as your Lord. You're not, you're not walking down the aisle because you don't know Jesus. I invite you today to come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Perhaps you want to, perhaps God's calling you to do some work outside of this church, part of our, our lineage. 
then you come and share that with us where God is leading. Maybe it is that you want to join the church and become part of this body of believers and be an integral part of the body and allow God to use you inside of this, this church. Then you come and make that known. It might be that you want to come for some other reason to pray for somebody or, or something that's going on in your life. Know that, the, that when you come down, you can pray from where you're at, but what I'll tell you is if you pray from here, the people have got your back and they're praying for you. The last thing is we talked about the godly jealousy. Who are you praying for to get saved? In just, just a little while, we're going to walk through our ACP. One of the glaring zeros on our ACP is we've had no baptisms in the last year. I, I want us to change that. I want to change that. That means that I've got to join with you in praying for people to get saved. I've got to, I've got to share the Gospel. You've got to share the Gospel. If God is so convicting you to pray towards that end that we change that, then you make your way down and pray. Let, let's stand and we're going to pray. Father, during this time of invitation, Lord, I pray that it would be clear to us what you would want us to do. And Father, I just pray that you would move us accordingly, whether it's to, to pray for somebody or something in our life, whether it's to pray for a lost person, whether it's to pray for our church as a whole, uh, whether it's to pray that repentance because we've been led astray, whether it's to accept Jesus or whether it's to follow Jesus, follow you in some, some area. Father, we pray that we would respond. In Jesus' name, amen. There in the ground His body lay Light of the world by darkness laid, then bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again, and as he stands in victory, since curse has lost its grip on me. For I am His, and He is mine, bought with the precious blood of Christ. No guilt in life, no fear in death, this is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry, to final breath Jesus commands my destiny no power of hell no scheme of man can ever pluck me from his hand till he returns or calls me home here in the power of Christ I'll stand till he returns or calls me home.
here in the power of Christ I'll stand. Okay, have a seat for a minute, for a couple minutes. Okay. Ed and Donna Fogel are coming. He's going to fill out his paperwork there. And uh, legibly. So Ed and Donna are coming and they're seeking membership in our church. They're going to move their membership. They're members at Calvary over in Hillsboro right now. And so uh, do I have a motion to move them here? Okay. Second to that. All in favor? Amen. Okay. So why don't you walk up here for a second? You can just leave that there. We'll take care of that pretty soon. This way our online audience can see who you are and, and they can welcome you and the rest of them can welcome you. This is Ed and Donna. Now I'll tell you a little bit about Ed. A lot of you guys know Ed. Ed was a coal miner and so he spent a lot of his time underground and so but he, he, he and I go back a long way. Um, back into the 70s sometime or early 80s he was, um, he was my, one of my youth leaders. Uh, he was one of the guys, he and, and, and Donna, we went on the, the mission trips, etc. Uh, he has impacted my life. Uh, matter of fact, when I, when I took my first vacation and had somebody come fill the pulpit, Ed is who I called to come and fill the pulpit. I left a little note on my desk and he came and, and preached for me. So uh, that's the connection that we've had and I, I've enjoyed that. He's pastored down at uh, the Mount Olive Baptist Church. He's been pastored down there. For how many years did you do that? 13 years, okay? So he still goes out and preaches. He's just preached recently over at Calvary when Jeff was sick. So um, I'm pleased to have him as part of our membership. So um, again, welcome to you and thank you. And uh, don't tell them any stories. No. <laughs> okay, so you guys can go sit back down. And here's our have you read, and then we'll move offline. Uh, 2 Samuel 7 through 8, Jeremiah 5 through 6, Romans 9 and 10. And then we get to start First John up in 1 and 2 there. So I encourage you again to read your scriptures. So thank you for joining us online.